It says, follow after. And that means to pursue something. That means to strive for something. It says, follow after charity. And we uh, studied last week on 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And you say, why does the Bible use the word charity? Well, charity means love that gives, love that sacrifices, love that gives. Right? You've heard of a charitable contribution, right? That's, that's giving, right? And uh, so it really is a good word. Uh, and it is agape uh, love. And, and so here it says, you know, pursue charity. In other words, um, think about what love is according to what the, how the Bible defines it and strive after that. Make it a point of emphasis in your life. I wonder if it, uh, if it would help us, you know, as a church, any church, to, to study, to go over 1 Corinthians 13, you know, once a month. Just to go over that for a few minutes. And uh, because the, the Bible says that the main way that, that, it, um, that they will know us is by our love one for another. That's what the Bible says. Um, and this, church, this, uh, uh, this book is written, like it says, at the, if you end, look at the, uh, at the end of chapter 14, it does say, let all things be done decently and in order. And uh, so do we want to do things decently? Yes. But does the Bible say the main way that they will know you is if you, you know, do things decently and in order? Well, it's, it is a point of emphasis, and it is important, but it doesn't say that it's the main thing. The main thing is love for God and love for others. And, and you know, the world, when they look at, a ch at churches, they shouldn't see that we're like a dysfunctional family. They should see that we take this seriously, that we study this, and that we follow after it, that we pursue it. There's a point of emphasis for us. And they were not embarrassed about that. Right. Um, sometimes for some reason, you know, we feel kind of uh, sheepish about saying that, well, uh, you know, we're 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 trying to be loving. We're trying to be. And, and, and sometimes we understand that that's been used as an excuse to just accept anything and everything. But the Bible says, speak the truth in love. And in and, and, and Jesus was the most loving person that there's ever been. But he was also the truth, the Bible says, right? And so it doesn't mean that love has a compromised truth, but sometimes we're so concerned about the truth that we forget about what the Bible says about what the main characteristic of us as Christians should be, and that is our, our, our um, uh, fervent care for one another and our love uh, for one another. And I understand that none of us are, you know, have a total handle on this and... Um, and I, and I think that the challenge should be for each one of us personally to follow after this. For each one of us personally to get before God and say, how does this, you know, how, how does this relate to me? How can I be more purposeful when it comes to the love as it's described in the scriptures? It says, follow after char charity and desire spiritual gifts. And so even though the main thing we're, we're following after is the biblical definition of love, uh, spiritual gifts are valuable and they are desirable. They are desirable. In fact, God, we learned, has given each one of us a particular combination of, of gifts. And, and that's something that uh, you know, makes us, the human beings are made in the image of God. No other creature is in that respect, right? 
and no other creature, um, they're just, they're, they have instincts, they're programmed, but they don't, have, they don't have gifts given to them by God. They can be spiritual gifts uh, by the Spirit of God. And so those are desirable. And, and we learn from chapter thir- 12 and 13 of 1 Corinthians, and like every other time that the spiritual gifts are mentioned and taught of in the Bible, they're always in the context of love. And, and here in 1 Corinthians 12, when it talked about the spiritual gifts, then there's a whole section there in chapter 13 describing what biblical love looks like. And so the spiritual gifts should always be exercised. They should always be governed by biblical love. And, um, you know, your gifts, your gifts can be used for the wrong motives. They can be used in the wrong way. They can be used for, for, without love. They, your gifts can be used in a very un, unloving way. Um, and your gifts are either going to be flesh-driven or spirit-led. They're either going to be flesh-driven or spirit-led, right? And uh, there's a lot of gifted people in churches that let the flesh get the best of them. And, uh, and, and so um, it doesn't end up being used the way that, that the Holy Spirit would use it, okay? And it says, uh, so desire spiritual gifts, but rather that ye may prophesy. And so it's very important that the gifts be used as instruments to promote truth. Instruments to promote truth. For he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men, but unto God. For no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. And so it's talking here about... Um, look, following after that which is loving and following after that which is going to promote truth... And if within the context of spiritual gifts, you see someone desirous of a gift that doesn't primarily accomplish those things, then that's a little bit of a head scratcher. All right, so what purpose, I mean, you're calling this a spiritual gift. What purpose is it accomplishing here? Right? And it might be easy for someone to just... uh, um, you know, make a, a bunch of noise and that nobody understands and then claim I'm talking to God, you know, and I'm superior to everyone else because I'm speaking a heavy language and, and God only knows, you know, how special and how remarkable that was. Nobody else understood it. It was just a bunch of babbling to everybody else, but it was a heavenly language. And I mean, humanly speaking, how can you really argue with that? Well, you don't have to argue with it, humanly speaking. You can, you can you can examine it by the scriptures. You can examine it by the scriptures. And this is dealing with this here because it was actually in a carnal church that it seemed like this was an extra point of emphasis. You know, this is a church that went a lot by feelings, kind of like a society now, you know. <laughs> like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, the, the big percentage of, feeling, uh, of, 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 of big decisions in our society now are just made by feelings, right? Everyone's being governed by feelings instead of, you know, what God says. And, and here is a church that went a lot by, by, by just by their feelings. Now, feelings aren't bad. They're given to us by God, but they're not meant to be the primary force in our life, right? And, and so um, it says in verse number three, But he that prophesieth speaketh unto men to... Now, this is a very important word in this context. What's the next word there? To edification. So what do you have here? You have the promotion of truth. You have it governed by love, and you have it be something that is building. Something that is strengthening and building up. What are the, what are the gifts in the church meant to do? They're, 
as we exercise, you know, how God has made us in the image of God, you being the spirit-led version of who you are, of how God made you, you're the, being the spirit-led version of how God made you, that, you know how God's going to use you? He's going to use you to build. He's going to use you to strengthen His work. It'll always be that 100% of the time. All right? And uh, so that is the, that's the quick test right there. You know, the quick test is, honestly, in your heart, whatever the response you had was, whatever the action that you had was, whatever the input that you had was, whatever the, uh, um, uh, whatever the function that you were involved, was it to the strengthening and to the edification of the work of God? And uh, if, you can, if you can say that, and, and, and you know it's from a heart of love for God and, and, and others, and it promoted truth, and, and you're on the right track there. And, um, and, and that's uh, profitable in the church. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, help us now in this passage. It has a, a lot of uh, just great truth. It's very practical for, for our church. And Lord, I pray that each one of us state this to heart, that we would pay attention to it as a church as well, uh, Lord, so that we might be helped in the days to come. Um, to honor you and to build for you. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like if someone is using a speaking gift, right, the speaking gift should be something that could be used to edify, to build. Um, a big emphasis on, on, the, on, on tongues nowadays is some sort of spiritual force and manifestation that is sort of a, a badge of honor for the person who is putting forth that sound because they are on a spiritual plateau which is producing that. But, you know, many times you can't really say that it's really edifying anything except maybe getting everybody to, to, to feel excited, right? Um, and that might be okay for the, for the moment. I mean, it's good to feel excited about, about what? <laughs> Now that we're excited, what are we going to do? You know, what is, what is, this, meant, what is this energy going to go towards? Is it going to go to build something for, for God's kingdom? And uh, it says, so he that prophesieth speaketh unto men edification. In other words, a speaking gift that is promoting truth, truth then is going to be understood and be able to be applied in order to build something. You see what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and, uh, and, and, and exhortation and comfort. So these are words that make sense. Are you going to be encouraged if I just stand up here and make a bunch of noises that don't mean anything to you? No, you're probably going to be a little disturbed, right? A little perplexed. <laughs> probably encouraging would be way down the line there somewhere as to what your reactions would be. Um, and, uh, but uh, but if, I, if I speak you know, words that are clear from the Bible, there could be some edification. There could be some encouragement. There could be some comfort. You know, the Bible offers all of these things. The Bible offers all of these things. And so a clear, certain message um, would be given. And I can imagine, you know, there was probably, I'll be like, hey, look, those early disciples, I mean, Peter got up and spoke, and people from all languages understood him as a miraculous thing. And thousands of people responded to his message and accepted the Lord. And I could see people looking at that and say, man, you know, the word, the word is still going around about how God used Peter that way. I mean, he spoke and, 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 uh, and it was just like, it was like in a, in, a, in, a, in a tongue that all these, God used in this, in this miraculous way. Um, 
And uh, it would be great if somehow I could get some recognition for something like that. But the ironic thing is that then they proceeded to do the opposite of what happened with Peter. Like with Peter, God used him speaking in a miraculous way for all kinds of languages to understand the message. Right? And instead of a person speaking in a language that nobody can understand, um, and it probably didn't mean anything to the angels of God either, except that, that God could read their heart. Right? Um, and so it says in verse, in verse 4, He that speaketh in an unknown tongue edifieth himself at the most. Well, the passage doesn't say that, so we'll just have to assume. Uh, that person edifies themselves. The, uh, the, themselves. But he that prophesieth edifieth, what does it say? The church. The church. Okay. Now there's a great principle here. All right. Whatever it is that we do in the context of the church, ask yourself the question, was that primarily for you or was it to edify the church? Honestly speaking, was that to just um, promote something that was according to your desires or was it, as the Bible says here, to the edifying of the church. And here's an example that's given. Look, if someone speaks in an unknown tongue, it may edify them, but he that prophesies, he that promotes and communicates truth, that is edifying to everybody that hears it. Right? And, and so we want to be used in a way in the church that's edifying to everybody um, that hears us. All right? Uh, I would that you all spake with tongues, but rather that ye prophesied, for greater is he that prophesieth than he that speaketh with tongues, except he interpret that the church may receive edifying. In other words, tongues, anything that's spoken, is meant to be understood. Okay? Even with Peter, we call it tongues, but it, it reached people who spoke all kinds of different languages. So another way of saying that really is it was language. It was language. It was languages. Okay? Um, and, uh, um, and so I have been, I have been uh, uh, in places where somebody spoke a, in a different tongue, and they could speak that all day long, and it wasn't going to do a thing for the people who, who were listening, except maybe they were just trying to pick up, some, they, were, they, they were so intent on trying to understand maybe a couple of words that it was just like, you know, it was driving them insane. Okay, um, I always feel bad for, you know, on, on, like if you go on a missions trip and you go to somewhere where they speak a totally different language and there's someone that they're preaching a different language, you can't understand a word. That's frustrating. Uh, you know, it's just that's a long message right there. You're glad someone's understanding it, but you're not. Right. And so a lot of times the, 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 if there's a, if there's two languages represented, you'll have what is called an interpreter. Some people call him an interrupter, but it's actually an interpreter. Right. So a perfect gives a little bit of the message and then that's interpreted in the other language. And so what do you have there? You have the goal of understanding, the goal of clarity, the goal so the message that it goes forth will reach as many people as possible. That's the goal. And it's so obvious from the Bible. You know, we talked about this morning how you know, people get confused by different doctrines because they just they don't see how simple it is in the Bible. Like, you know, there's reasons that God set it up this way that are practical, they make sense. God is not the author of confusion. And so there, if there's like a doctrine that it's like, I don't really get that. I guess that's like super spiritual, but I don't really understand what earth is for. Then, you know, it's probably not from God. 
Because God is not the author of confusion. He's the author of clarity. And especially when it comes to the gospel, he wants that to be clear um, and to, for truth to go forth. And so, uh, except he interpret that the, the church may receive edifying. Verse 6, Now, brethren, if I come unto you speaking with, um, with tongues, what shall I profit you except that I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge or by prophesying or by doctrine? And so I'm not, I'm not, I'm not helping you at all unless there's something to be accomplished to, to communicate um, these things, something that God has revealed, a word of knowledge that God has given um, prophesied, putting forth truth uh, in doctrine, all right? Uh, right interpretation of God's word. And even things without life giving sound, whether uh, pipe or harp, except they give a distinction in the sounds, how shall it be known what is piped or harp? And different you know, instruments are used for different purposes. Uh, sometimes um, you know, they're used to, to a call to action in the military. Sometimes you know, they'll have certain cadences and certain... Um, you know, they're, they're used to, to call to different, to different uh, action, to different um, activity and, and reaction. And, and if that's the case, then those sounds, they have to be distinct, don't they? I mean, there can't be confusion about whether, you know, uh, the soldiers are supposed to, you know, go in this direction or that direction or charge or retreat or whatever the case may be, right? Um, there has to be a distinct sound to it, a clear sound. And that's why we talk a lot, and I, I just feel like the Lord has led me to have this point of emphasis is that the things that we do in the church, we want, to, we want it to be clear. We want the music to be clear. We want it to call, you know, there's no confusion as to what's going on. This is, this is worship that, this is music that, that honors the Lord. This is music that has a clear message to it. We can understand what's being sung. You know, the instruments aren't so ruckus that you can't hardly hear yourself think, you know, let alone what's being, being sung, you know. And I mean, I'm just talking about the clarity of the message. I'm not, I'm not, criticizing anything. I'm just saying that God says that the clarity of the message is very important. And it's not primarily about how I feel. It's primarily about if God is honored because of what he wants to do for the edification of the church, for the edification of the church. All right. It says in verse 8, for the trumpet give an uncertain sound, who should prepare himself to battle? There's the illustration we used. Verse 9, so likewise, ye except ye utter by uh, the tongue words easy to be understood, how shall it be known what is spoken? For ye speak into the air. And that's just a waste of breath, right? If it's not easy to be understood. And uh, I think of that when, I, when, when, I'm, when I'm preaching. If I'm preparing for something and I'm thinking, I, I, I can't even understand what I'm going to say. So probably no one else is going to understand it either. I need to work on that a little more, right? I need, I need to come to an understanding of it. So, okay, so this makes sense. This is clear. And Lord, help me to articulate it in a way so that it would be clear. Not so somebody says, well, you know, that's their, their, their articulate speaker. But so that they say, okay, I understood that message. And that's something that I could see God said, and I can apply that. I can, I can now have the proper reaction to, to that. And that's the goal of preaching, all right? Um, not just to put things out there in the air and, uh, and, and make a bunch of sound. Okay? Verse 10. There are, it may be, so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. In other words, hey, look, the world knows how to get their message out. And they do, don't they? I mean, there's all kinds of, of mediums and all kinds of ways that the world is getting their message out. 
um, propaganda or whatever it is. You know, just voices, voices all the time, voices. And, and, and it, you know, it says like the, the prince of the power of the air, he makes sure that, you know, things are clear according to his agenda. Now, he's not interested in truth, but he's interested in his lies being clear and said repeatedly and packaged in such a way so it's as to manipulate and deceive, right? And so if he's working that hard to give a clear message of deception, we should be even more intent on being clear within the context of the church for the means of, of uh, building the work of the Lord. Therefore, verse 11, if I know not the meaning of the voice, I shall be unto him that speaketh as a barbarian. I like that. You know, you're, just, you're, you're nothing but a barbarian. <laughs> um, what that means is, is like, in the, it means foreigner. In other words, it's someone who's speaking a language that's foreign to you. Okay. Um, and he that speaketh shall be a barbarian unto me. Even so, ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. All right. Um, and so, you know, you very well, and I'm saying this sincerely, you, you very well may be the, the person with the highest IQ in the church. I don't know. You may be the person, um, you know, who, who has, is the most skilled person in a well-rounded way in, in this church. Um, you may be the most educated person here. But the Bible says that whatever it is that God has given us, we want to use in such a way that is of edification, that is of building, that is of encouragement um, to the body of Christ. Verse 13, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, and I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with the understanding also. And so, uh, whether we're praying, whether we're singing, whatever it is that's, that's, uh, that's putting out a message of some sort, may it be understood. May it be understood. And I am, I am thankful that, uh, you know, in our church, I mean, when people sing, like I was able after the, after the special the, the, this morning, and by the way, the congregation singing, that's to me is the main thing, but we call it the special music this morning. I was able to say afterwards, because I understood what the message was. You know, tell me that story of love again. I mean, I understood what that was, and I was able to say that goes great with, we had a message about remembering the story of love, right? About, about the Lord's Supper, and, and, it, and, and the messages fit. They made sense. They were clear. They were clear. And so I just, if we're going to do things biblically, you know, for as long as, as, uh, as the Lord allows me to, to pastor and lead according to the Bible, is we're going to try to be very clear. We're, trying, we're going to try to give a very distinct sound with a message uh, that is helpful and that is productive. And um, we don't answer for every other church, but we have to answer biblically for, for, for ourselves. And uh, it says in verse 15, what is it then? I will pray with the Spirit, I will pray with understanding also, I will sing with the Spirit, and I will sing with understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? And so if you're not communicating clearly, like, how are people going to say, yeah, I agree with that? 
I'm with you on that. Um, and again, I'm not trying to be mean, but have you ever heard a message and you were like, <laughs> it's probably been, you know, it's probably been even sometime when I was, when I was speaking. But, uh, you know, have you ever heard a message and you're just like, I have no idea what that person just said. I mean, they just spoke for 10 minutes. And I'm not talking to you as though you were trying. You were trying to get something out of it, but it was just like, I have no clue what they were trying to communicate, right? Um, how do you say amen to that? Well, you can just throw it in there once in a while because that's, that's what the churches in the South would do, you know. It doesn't really matter sometimes, you know. I mean, hey, look, I mean, just throw an amen in there somewhere. It's all good, right? Um, but, <laughs> uh, but we want to kind of like uh, say amen when it's something that we're, we're saying, yeah, I can wholeheartedly agree with what I just heard. That stirred my heart. That was a truth that struck home. That was convicting. Amen. All right, that's scriptural um, to do that. But we can't really do that if we're not understanding what's, what's going on. And uh, uh, so um, how can we say amen at that? Verse 17, for thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. You may understand what you're trying to say, but we want to be helpful to others as well. I thank my God I speak with tongues more than you all. In other words, God evidently had used Paul as he preached the gospel, had used him in the realm of languages a number of times. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding than with the, by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. Okay? And so it's not the volume of words that are spoken, it's the amount of words that actually meant something and that were understood and that were to edification. That's what he says. Brethren, be not children in understanding. Don't be immature. Howbeit in, 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 uh, in, in malice be children, but in understanding be men. Be men. Yeah, um, in, in malice, in, in selfish intent, in carnal reaction and intent, uh, go ahead and be children because that's immature. All right. But in understanding, be mature. Be mature. In the law, it is written with men of other tongues and other lips. I will speak unto this people. And yet for all that will, that will uh, they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore, tongues are, not, are, are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. In other words, there shouldn't be like this competition amongst believers as it comes to the gifts. Because God's primary reason for using tongues was to reach people who didn't know about him yet. In fact, to this day, I believe when God does miraculous things like this, it's when people don't have access to the word of God like we have in their own language. When people don't have access to the gospel as readily as we do. Sometimes God does very... Um, remarkable things to put out the, the, the message of the gospel um, in, uh, uh, in those sort of settings. And uh, um, there's a book, I mean, you ever read the word, the, the book Brusco before? Where, the, uh, the book Brusco? It's a pretty interesting book. It's about this guy that he wanted to be a missionary, but he got rejected by a bunch of missions boards. So he said, I'm just going to go down, I think it was like to Ecuador somewhere, and I'm just going to go down there and I'm just going to be a missionary. He got himself into all kinds of hot water. Uh, but God did ultimately use him, and, uh, and one of the, he, God did some miracles of, of language when it came to communication. And so, to make a long story short, this whole uh, tribe of, of uh, people down there in Central America 
pretty much got saved. All right? They pretty much all came to, to, uh, to know the Lord. And when they did that, they got a burden from the next tribe over that they had been at war with. Um, there was like cannibalism and headhunting and everything else. And they said, well, you know, these people that we've been at war with, you know, and fighting in this way, and they've been eating us, we've been eating them. But we need to go give them the gospel. And uh, Brusco was like, this is what they called him. That was his nickname. He said, well, the problem is that they, they don't speak the same language as you do. And they didn't seem worried about it. They said, we're just going to go. And so they sent a contingency of, of men out there, 10 or 12 men, to go take the gospel to this other tribe. And they were gone, and they were gone, and they were gone. And, and uh, Brusco and the rest of the, you know, I don't know what the rest of the people think, but he's thinking, okay, you know, I mean, they're, they're done for. I mean, they were out over when they went there, and they've they probably, you know, been eaten by this time, or they uh, uh, headhunted. Or, and, and, and so he didn't think they were coming back. Well, a few weeks later, the whole delegation comes back, and they're all happy, and they're chattering away and everything. And Bruce said, well, what happened? And he said, we went there, and we told them about Jesus. Really? What happened? Oh, they listened to the story. Okay, so what the, well, we spent more time, and we explained it to them. What happened? The whole tribe got saved, and we're not enemies anymore, Brusco. We love each other now. And the only thing he could figure out by talking to them, because they didn't speak the same language at all, except violence, is that God had miraculously had them understand the message. of, uh, And I believe that because here you had people that didn't have God's written word at all. And, uh, and it says here that the sign of tongues is not primarily for believers, it's for unbelievers. That's where God does miracles of language. And uh, look, that's why we, we're interested in, in the work that's done of translation work, right? Translation, that's, that's working in tongues right there. That's in languages. And, that, and that's... Because we want to see people that don't have the same access to God's Word that we do have an opportunity um, to, get, to get the Word of God in their language. That's a wonderful thing. I can't think of many things that are more wonderful than that. And so God uses, I mean, sometimes I, I look at it and I, and I say, what Kathy's describing, doing, I mean, the languages you translate, it's not like you, like you speak those languages fluently yourself, right? I mean, you have to study the, ling the, the, the uh, you know, linguist principles and everything that goes into that language. And you have to get you know, people that are connected to that language. And you're working with several languages. And I'm thinking every time they're talking about, okay, we're going to do the book of Exodus now. I'm like, <laughs> good luck with that, you know? Um, but it's not luck because God works through that hard work and that dedication. And he miraculously, I think, I think God's... Uh, supernatural work goes into that through these people for the sake of the gospel. And uh, it's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And the Bible is clear about why God is doing that. Verse 23, if, there, if therefore the whole church be come together into one place and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? Is that what you want? You know, people would come in there and there's such a ruckus going on that they're like, I am, you know, that was crazy, man. I mean, I might go there again just for the, you know, entertainment factor, but <laughs> those people are wild. That was a crazy place, right? Um, is, is that our goal? Or do we want them to come in and, and say, okay, you know, I got something there that helped me today uh, from God's Word. And, uh, and, and some things were communicated that were encouraging to me in my, in my life and, and met some of the, the issues that I have and pointed me to, to, to the Lord. Uh, but if all prophesy, verse 24, and there come in one that believeth not or unlearned, he is convinced of all, he is judged of all. In other words, you know, then he's going to be convicted in areas of his life. God's word is going to show him, is going to, is going to give him evidence 
um, of, of things that, uh, that, that, that can be helpful there. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest, conviction. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. And so we want you know, people to be convicted and to respond to God, right? Um, not just be impressed like, wow, those people could really worship. Well, what do you mean by that? I don't know, man, but they were really into it. Okay, well, what was the message? <laughs> I don't know, but they were really excited about it. All right, well, what did, like, did you learn anything about God? Well, not really, except that they could really worship, right? I don't know, like, that doesn't seem to really fit, you know, what God is trying to do. And uh, as a church, we need to, to be, have God's heart towards the needs of people. And so in verse 26, how is it then, brethren... When you come together, every one of you hath a psalm, hath a doctrine, hath a tongue, um, hath a revelation, hath an interpretation. Let all things be done unto edifying in any of these areas. If any man speak in an unknown tongue, let it be by, by two or, 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 the mo most, uh, or the most by three, and that by uh, course, and, he, uh, and let one interpret. There needs to be an interpreter there. But if there be no interpreter, let him keep silence in the church. Let him speak to himself. And to God. All right. If it's not for the purpose of just impressing people, then you just, you know, if that's your thing, do it, do it on your own. Let the prophets uh, speak two or three. Let others uh, uh, judge. If anything be revealed to another that sitteth by, let the first uh, hold his peace. In other words, not just trying to have a whole bunch of interpretation and opinions going on. You know, the case have been accomplished. They understood now. For that uh, he all uh, prophesy one by one, that all may learn and that all may be comforted. That the spirits of the uh, prophets are subject uh, to the prophets. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. Now, I, I wanted to stop right there. I thought, okay, you know, well, maybe, hey, seven o'clock, so maybe, maybe I don't have to go any further. Uh, <laughs> but we could finish the chapter, I guess. It just, uh, and then it says, let your women keep silent in the church. Now, that's an interesting passage right there, isn't it? Are you interested? Do you want me to tell you exactly what that's talking about? If you read a hundred commentators, they'll have about a hundred different ideas. <laughs> um, so I, I, I did do some studying on it. And I've read this before. I've also read, what is it? Uh, is it 1 Corinthians 2? 11 or 2 Corinthians 2.11? I figure which Corinthians. If you go over there, I think it's 2 Corinthians 2.11, maybe. Or 1 Corinthians 2.11. Kind of the, the, other, the other passage that talks about this. Yeah, uh, 1 Timothy. Did I say Corinthians? 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy 2.11. 1 Timothy 2.11. It says, let the woman learn in silence with all subjection, but I suffer not a woman to teach nor to usurp authority over the man, but be in silence. Um, so these are just a cursory reading of those. I, I, I could tell you one thing is very counter-cultural. <laughs> um, and you're like, what on earth? You know, what, what kind of teaching is this? But remember, that it says, let all things be done decently and in order. And there were, some, there were some things that were very distracting going on in the church at Corinth. And, and Paul is addressing these things um, through this letter and by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. 
so that there might be a context of edification. And, uh, and it says, uh, if, if you continue, it says, let, let your women keep silence in the church, for it is not permitted unto them to speak, but that they are commanded to be under obedience, as uh, also saith the law. And if they will learn anything, let them ask their husbands at home, for it is a shame for women to speak in the church. What, came the word of God out uh, from you, or came it um, uh, un unto you only? If any man think himself to be a prophet or spiritual, let him acknowledge that the things that I write unto you are the commandments of the Lord. If any man be ignorant, let him be ignorant. Wherefore, brethren, um, covet to prophesy, forbid not to speak with tongues. Let all things be done decently in order. So in the context, there was something that was going on there that was not conducive to edification and was not conducive to order. To, to, to order. And uh, there's a lot of different opinions as to what that was. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 11, it does talk about women praying, and, uh, but it's not clear there that it's within the, pro within the context of public worship. In both passages, it seems to, uh, to address the aspect of not being under leadership and usurping uh, the, the, uh, the leadership of, of a man or of a husband. And so I don't know, you know, I, I don't have, I don't have dogmatically exactly what this means. But I do know there's a word of caution there. There's a word of caution. And there is a word of letting things be done decently and in order. And look, if we're talking about a church building, that would be ridiculous, wouldn't it? Because there's a lot of one another principles and there's a lot of things that the Bible talks about as far as edification, about a practice that, that every person should be involved in as far as if you're in a church building, right? This is talking about a church building. This is talking about something within the, the formal communication of things, the formal dispensation of truth, um, that uh, there, there, there's a caution given there. And, you know, some commentaries believe this was something very specific that was going on in the Church of Corinth. I don't know that for sure. I mean, if we're going to go that route, then we say, well, this is only, all this is only for one church and it's not for other churches. Uh, these are written for the edification of the churches, right? And uh, so... I don't know, I'll just tell you how, you know, we've, we've applied it in, in, uh, as far as my wife goes. In the, in the, in the public service, my wife is, is usually, she's, she doesn't speak out. Now she sings during the songs and she, you know. Um, and I don't know where to draw the line on it exactly. But I guess I could just say this, that, that men or women need to be spirit-led and need to determine that by the Spirit of God, we're going to be conducive to edification in the church. And look, there's different times and different, even different uh, um, uh, things that are going on in, in the church service. Like, you know, sometimes we're just, we're giving announcements or something, we're bantering a little bit, we're, we're ha you know, and someone has something for input, or you know, it's, it's, it's the spirit of the thing, right? But um, it seems to be here that the Bible says, look, when there's communication, of le there's, there's leadership and there's teaching and there's um, particular direction and decision making, I don't know, that there's, there's a caution that, that's given there. I told you I really didn't want to get into this part. I was hoping it would be way you know, past. But, uh, and uh, and then maybe there's some teachers here. I'm almost, I'm almost tempted to call on a couple of the preachers in our midst, you know, and give me some help on this. But uh, <laughs> um, so... 
Uh, and, and at different periods of my life, I've thought differently about it, too. And, and I don't know. You know, I just, hey, look, we try to understand the Bible the best we can, right? And to do the best we can about what, what God teaches us. And I know for sure, I know for sure that women are very highly valued in the church. There's a lot of teaching about that. And they are gifted and they are meant to exercise their spiritual gifts. And God is not against women. Jesus was very tenderhearted towards, towards women and, and valued them highly. And uh, so I, one thing as a pastor, I would never want the, uh, the, the ladies in our church to feel like that they're secondary in any way, shape, or form. Um, they, every person here is an integral part of, of the body of Christ, and each one of us has to, to think about, okay, you know, how uh, and when and then what spirit am I going to uh, function by God's direction. And uh, so that's uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 14. And I hope it was helpful uh, to you. And uh, on things that you're not sure about, you know, study them further. Ask the Lord to help you see it. And like the Bereans, right? They searched it out. Look, you, you can go on anything that we look at in the Bible, and you can go and do a further, a further in-depth study on, on your own. And I would fully encourage you to do that. Because it's not about what, what Pastor Mark teaches, it's about what the Bible ultimately uh, says. So, all right, let's pray.